Welcome to the Washington Union Alliance Church Podcast, an archive of our recorded sermons. We're a Christian and Missionary Alliance Church located in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. For more information, go to wuac.org. I want to thank you for the privilege of sharing God's Word with you this morning. I'm honored to serve the Lord with you. Uh, This week begins a new step of transition for your church family. Pastor Landon and Morgan have followed God's calling to another location, and you've begun your search for a new pastor. These transitions can seem long and sometimes stressful. Uh, Your leadership, uh, be praying for them. Uh, They will be stretched and sometimes may feel stressed. So uh, please keep them in your prayers, the elders, the board, others who are stepping into ministry gaps. And please pray for Pastor Landon, Morgan, and Gwenny as they begin their new ministry. They and we need the divine power of God, the Holy Spirit, to be able to see the supernatural work of God. Uh, in this place and where they are serving as well. There are challenges ahead uh, for them as they begin their new ministry and for uh, you as you look toward your new pastor. So we trust the Lord for his work and his blessing. Pray also for our district leaders, especially the regional team leader, Tim Keller, who will be with you next Sunday and he'll be able to share with you more about process and uh, he'll be giving the word of the Lord to you as well. So let's uh, pause and pray now during this time of transition. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege that you give to us to be together. And we pray, Lord, that you would work in the ways that only you can. Lord, we pray for this transition for Washington Union Alliance Church. We pray for your strength uh, for us, your power and your blessing, that you will guide the leadership, that you will empower them. And Lord, that uh, we will see your hand at work throughout this process. Lord, we pray for the pastor who will become our next pastor. And we ask, Lord, for your anointing uh, so that he will be able to continue moving us forward in your will and for your glory. Thank you for this church family that has been impactful in its own community and, Lord, beyond. We thank you for Pastor Landon and Morgan and all that they mean to uh, the folks here. And we pray, Lord, for your blessing on them in their early days of ministry in Cincinnati. We pray for encouragement. We pray for wisdom. And we pray, Lord, for your power uh, to rest upon them. We trust in you for your provision for them and also for us. We pray for Tim Keller as he is leading uh, our region of the district, and we pray for encouragement, we pray for wisdom, and we pray for him as he comes to be with us next Sunday. So Lord, we ask for your blessing. Now, Lord, as we open up your word, we pray for your blessing, your anointing, for your glory. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Okay. All right. In August, Susan and I were blessed to travel to Alaska with friends. 
Uh, this was a trip we'd wanted to make for years, probably decades, and finally we were able to go. Uh, so we went along with good friends Mark and Cheryl Grossamy. Uh, one day we hiked along a trail that was leading us to a salmon viewing platform. Now, I don't know what you would picture if you're going to see a salmon place, a platform where you're supposed to be able to see salmon, but I was anticipating a fast-flowing river with salmon jumping out of the water as they were heading to their spawning grounds. Well, actually, this is the spawning ground, so it's not so much they've arrived once they get to this area, uh, but as we were going there, and I was expecting seeing the fish jumping, what we saw instead was a marshy area. But what a view. This is what we were seeing uh, when we were there that day. Uh, amazing, beautiful scenery. Now, it wasn't my expectation, but it was a great result. There are times, like me, when you may have had high hopes to experience something. Uh, at times, our expectations have surpassed uh, the experiences. That maybe they didn't measure up to what we anticipated. Or other times, uh, the things that we hoped for, uh, we saw it in even more. And those are wonderful times. I'm sure that you hope that Pastor Landon would be here for many more years, uh, but God has something else in store as he led them to a different ministry, has something more in store for them and for you. And we trust him to reveal himself in very special ways as he leads us forward. When we consider the privilege of serving the Lord in many different ways, we tend to begin with high hopes of what God is going to do. Uh, we look for His blessing, uh, investing ourselves deeply in the lives of others. Uh, prayerfully, we trust God for life transformation, for a faithful impact that will stand the test of time. Pastor Landon is embarking on a new ministry adventure. Uh, I like to think of the different opportunities that I've been given over the, over the years as adventures. Uh, opportunities from the Lord to learn new things, to interact with people, meet people, uh, lots of opportunities. Uh, he knows that he's going to face many challenges along the way. Uh, Pastor Landon and I had a good relationship. I was his ordination mentor and then continued to interact with him after he was ordained. Uh, but he knows he will have many challenges, but he also has high hopes for what the Lord would do. He has experienced God's blessing as he is your pastor, and uh, he anticipates God's blessing in the future. But he also has high hopes and an expectation that you will continue to do well. Uh, you are part of his heart, and he wants so much for you. In the New Testament, missionaries Paul and Silas went to many different cities to share the good news of Jesus. And many responded positively, but also in every place that they were, they'd face opposition and sometimes persecution, even physical attacks. In the story that we're focusing on this morning, the Apostle Paul expressed hope for a fledgling church, but he also had concerns that maybe, just maybe, all that effort and preaching and evangelism might have been in vain. Maybe the church wouldn't survive. Let's turn in our Bibles or on our devices to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. 
1 Thessalonians chapter 3, and we will have the words up on the screen for you of this portion of Scripture. We're reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. This is from the New International Version. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we are destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories for us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. There you go. You're caught up now. As we look at the church in Thessalonica, we can see that Paul had some concerns for this congregation. From verse 5, he says, When I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. Now, from our vantage point, and we have the scriptures before us, uh, we know that the Thessalonian church was a strong church. It was a vibrant church. It was a church that was known throughout the area uh, as following the Lord and following him closely. Uh, so that's great. But from history, from that point in history, looking forward, Paul wasn't sure what was going to happen. He was concerned. Uh, he had no way of knowing what was going on, only that he knew these new believers were facing intense opposition and persecution. And Paul's concerns were real concerns. We may have similar concerns in our lives today. A few years back, I served in our district office and worked with many churches, some which were strong and some were not so strong. There were some that we were burdened for because we didn't know would they continue. And some of them did not. Some of them closed. It was sad times. We were thankful for the Lord's ministry over the years, but uh, a gospel preaching location had closed. Uh, we, uh, that's a deep burden. Paul was concerned that maybe this would happen in Thessalonica. Uh, in the case of the church in Thessalonica, Paul was very concerned for the well-being of the people and also for the gospel present of that local church. Now, we know, because we have the scriptures, that Paul and Silas were a missionary team that traveled to new places to share the good news of Jesus. Often, wherever they were, they would start a local church ministry, and those local church ministries would take hold and be strong. In some cases, Paul and Silas got to stay with them for over a year. Other times, it was a short period of time. In Thessalonica, they were only there for three weeks. 
three weeks. So you can see why he might be concerned. If you go into a place and you gather a group and you start a church and in three weeks you have to be gone, what's going to happen to the folks? Now, just bef- they experienced lots of opposition and persecution. Just before coming to Thessalonica, they had been in Philippi. Uh, We know about the Philippian jailer and the story there. But you remember that the Philippian jailer story, while it turns out positive, it tells us that Paul and Silas were where? They were in jail. They were in jail. They had been uh, arrested and thrown into jail. uh, And then they're thrown out of town. Uh, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 2, he talks about being in Philippi. And he says, we had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. So they'd just been in Philippi where uh, they'd been thrown into jail because they were preaching the gospel. And now they're cast out of Philippi. They come to Thessalonica and he says, we dared to share the gospel with you. We knew our lives were in danger, but we shared the good news anyway. Uh, So uh, from Philippi, they traveled on to Thessalonica where they had high hopes for sharing the gospel. Acts chapter 17, verses 1 through 4, tells us a little bit about that meeting. When Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews... They were, uh, were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. Now notice who's involved. We've disappeared again. You guys could... We're happy you're here today. And for any who are watching online, we're happy you're here too. All right. Okay, we're, we're looking at, at who responded. It says that some of the Jews, these were practicing Jews who were part of the regular synagogue worship. They would have been there weekly. And uh, they were from a Jewish heritage, Jewish background. They grew up, they were born into Jewish families. So they were part of the in crowd as far as the synagogue was concerned. And uh, some of them were persuaded and they joined Paul and Silas. Uh, they... Uh, they, some of them heard this message on three consecutive Sabbaths and gave their hearts to Jesus. Notice how many? Some. Not all of them. Not a majority of them. But some of them heard the message and hearts were turned to Jesus as Messiah and Savior. But we also see that there was a large number of God-fearers. Uh, God-fearing Greeks. These were people who were not Jewish. Anybody who was not Jewish was considered a Greek in those days, similar to when I I drive school bus in New Wilmington, uh, and there's a lot of Amish folks there. If you're not Amish, you're English. It doesn't matter if you're from a German ancestry or whatever. You're still English to an Amish person. There's only two kinds of people in the world uh, to the Amish, Amish or English, Uh, And in this case, you were Jewish or you were Greek. 
so here these people are part of the non-Jews uh, who believed in the God of the Jews, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were God-fearers who respected God and sought after God, but they weren't yet fully converted to Judaism. Uh, they were drawing near to God. So how many of them believed? A large number. A large number. These were the seekers, the spiritually hungry people, the ones who were seeking for a relationship with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they were thrilled to know of His great love that He would send His Son to die for them so that they could become a part of the family. They could become a part of the family through faith in Jesus. They didn't have to become Jewish first to become believers that God would enfold them into the family through Jesus. But we also see that there were quite a few prominent women. Isn't it interesting that the women are singled out for their own mention? Well, it's not just interesting, it's significant. Uh, the mention shows a great respect and value for women in the midst of a culture that usually devalued women. These prominent women were influencers in their own right and they too joined the group of believers with total commitment. Now, while we don't hear anything specifically about these particular women and how they were involved, we can surmise that uh, they were fully involved just like Lydia from Thyatira had gotten involved right away and hosted Paul and Silas and Timothy. Uh, and we also know that uh, Prisca or Priscilla with her husband Aquila and Priscilla's name is listed first, showing that she was probably the more uh, outgoing of the two and talking more and teaching more. Uh, they were involved greatly in gospel ministry. Women have been used of God throughout the ages to play key roles in the family of God and have been instrumental in leading many to faith in Jesus. The response to the gospel was great. But the non-believing Jews of the synagogue became jealous and began to stir up the crowds against Paul and Silas. The persecution quickly grew intense and led Paul to have deep concerns about the ongoing health of this small group of new believers. Would they survive? Let's read verses 5 through 8. There we go. But other Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace. Isn't that fun? They rounded up some bad guys from the marketplace. Uh, they formed a mob and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, They dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials shouting, These men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here, and Jason has welcomed them into his house. Come on. They are all defying Caesar's decree, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. And when they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Here's the riot has taken place in Thessalonica. Okay. We see a little bit further, continuing with verses 10 and 13. As soon as it was night... 
the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. But when the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, some of them went there too, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. So we see these deep concerns that Paul would have. All right. There we go. Paul had these deep concerns for the church because they were birthed in the crucible of persecution. As a seasoned believer and a, a pioneer missionary, Paul had lots of personal experience with opposition. He had experience with persecution. He had been uh, thrown into jail. He had been beaten numbers of times. He knew what it was like, and he knew how hard it was. Uh, but these baby believers being thrown into the fire of persecution, how will they handle it? What will happen? Would they be snuffed out by the vitriolic opposition? Paul had deep concerns for them because he wasn't allowed to stay with them. He was expelled out of Thessalonica. Uh, from his letter, it's clear that Paul warned them about persecution. He said, I told you we would have this happen. He told them a lot about a lot of things, including the second coming of Jesus. But he wasn't able to give them all that he wanted to. He was only there for three weeks. He's concerned for them. Like tender shoots of new growth in a garden, he was concerned that the baby believers, would they be able to withstand the storms of opposition and of persecution? Or would they be beaten down and destroyed? Can you imagine the burden and heartache that Paul and Silas would have had? Are they making it? What's going on? Are they experiencing hardships? Are they surviving? Uh, will they last? Or will they be so discouraged that they go back to their old ways? Paul was desperate for good news. So uh, earlier we read of Paul's concerns in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 when twice Paul said, when we could stand it no longer. He had to know something. How are you doing? What's going on back there in Thessalonica? He was desperate for news, so he sent his trusted co-worker Timothy to see how they were doing. And Timothy came back with good news. No, not just good news. It was great news. They were doing well. Timothy reported that the church had not only survived, but had grown beyond all expectations, even in the midst of persecution. Their faith grew and soon became a testimony to the whole region. They became great faith examples. They were a wonderful example of faith. I think I, I've gone ahead. If I can go one more. There we go. They were a great faith example to all the believers in the region of Macedonia and Achaia. Uh, Thessalonica was in the part that is still a country today, Macedonia. Uh, and then Achaia would be modern-day modern Greece. They became known all throughout that area uh, for their faith throughout the area and the countrysides, both north and south. We see that they were great examples as they had wonderful testimonies of transformed lives. By their living example, other people could see the dramatic change in their lives. 
Other people knew them before they talked about this Jesus, and now they knew what Jesus had done for them because they saw a difference in how they lived. Other people talked about them. Uh, they said, these people, these, they wouldn't have called them believers. They would have used that derogatory term, Christians, because that was considered a, a, not a good term at that time. These Christians, these little Christ, they don't worship all of our gods that everybody else worships. They only worship one. That would have been seen as drastic. Uh, they've given themselves only to worship the one living and true God through Jesus. So theirs was a testimony of life transformation and change. And when Paul and Silas heard Timothy's report, they were filled with joy. This good news. They were examples that produced joy. When we hear of believers, people that we know, maybe people that we've invested with, uh, invested our lives with, when we see them taking steps forward to serve the Lord or to make good decisions, we're excited and it gives us joy inside. When uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6 says, But Timothy has just now come to us, uh, and he has brought good news about your faith and love. He's told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you and return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. So he says, we have good news of your faith and your love. There's a heartfelt love from the people for Paul and the team. And Paul's feeling like, they're not sad that we came. They're not blaming us for the persecution. They're, they love us, and they are loving Jesus. Uh, even though Paul and the team are in the midst of their own persecution, the news from Thessalonica gave them encouragement to press on. Uh, seeing that the, the folks back in Thessalonica are doing well, they can keep going forward. Hear Paul's heart in verse 8. He says, now we really live since you were standing firm in the Lord. That makes the difference. When we see you living out your faith, that makes us really live. We, we're excited. It, it feels like we're alive more because you are doing well. What a wonderful news to hear of the ongoing spiritual health of people that maybe you've had some part in. I was a pastor of a church, an alliance church in Uniontown for 14 years. And there was one, I think of him as a little boy. He was little Joey because uh, he was born while I was there. Uh, then when we moved away to Newcastle from Uniontown, uh, Joey grew up. And Joey became Big Joe, good-sized guy, taller than me. Uh, and I would see him at Mahaffey Camp. Uh, each year we'd see him, he'd make sure to come over and talk with me. Uh, first he came, he was a teenager in the youth group, 
and I would get to see him. And then later I saw him and found out he was a youth sponsor. Uh, he was a sponsor now for the other teens, and he was helping uh, with all sorts of things in the church. Well, last February, I got a call from Joe to see if I might be able to preach at Uniontown for a month, uh, the first month after their pastor had retired. And so uh, I just thought, I'm talking to Joe, I said, uh, Joe, how is it that you get the privilege of calling and scheduling speakers for the church? And he said, well, Pastor Phil, he said, uh, there was just some way that I, I became the head elder of the church. And I can't tell you how excited I was to hear that, uh, to know of Joe uh, just continuing to grow in the Lord and to, to continue forward. So uh, that's been an exciting thing to experience and witness. So now we really live, uh, as Paul says, since you were standing firm in the Lord. And I think of a 91-year-old woman from back home in Raleigh, North Carolina, who was a youth sponsor when I was a teenager, and how she has followed me all the years of my ministry. And when I would get to go to the uh, general council of the CMA, often she would be there, and I'd get to see her. It was like a reunion. And to think about her, and not only because of me, but there are others of her boys and girls who were in youth group who are serving the Lord in some way, uh, and how that feels to her. Pastor Landon and Morgan also have those kind of joyful memories of you. And as you continue strong in the Lord, it will bring great joy in their hearts as well. Today's message has been about high hopes When Paul first arrived in Thessalonica, he had high hopes of sharing the gospel and seeing many people give their hearts to the Lord. He also planned to stay with them and work with them to establish a healthy church. Well, many people did give their hearts to the Lord, but he didn't get to stay. He was only there those three weeks. Uh, he continued in prayer, hoping for God's blessing. And his prayers were answered uh, far greater than he might have been able to expect. God is so good. And he answers uh, even greater than what we ask. We too can experience the blessings of high hopes as we invest our lives in the lives of others. In whatever way God has gifted you, use your talents and your gifts to touch the hearts and lives of other people, uh, to trust God to do work in you and through you. And as we serve, we have high hopes that our service will make a difference in the lives of others. We also have high hopes as we stand firm. In the midst of opposition, the easier looking path, that which seems easier, would be to not fight, not push forward uh, in doing what is right, but just do whatever the world says we should do. But we know that the wide path leads to death and destruction. Instead of taking the easy path, we stand firm in our faith encouraging each other along the way. And our testimony, uh, life testimony and our verbal testimony brings joy to those who hear, especially those who have invested themselves in us. And then growing together. The true blessings of high hopes come as we grow together. Children growing up to be strong believers. Uh, teens stepping into roles of service and leadership. Young adults and older adults serving side by side. That is thrilling. 
generations making a difference as they live out their faith. So together, by faith we stand. This morning, as we come to a place uh, of concluding this message, Jesus invites us to join with him and to stand firm in our faith as we come around the communion table. And we'll do that in just a moment. Let's bow together for prayer.